Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Today's message, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. It's titled, The Good Life. The Good Life. Now, maybe you haven't been here, for, but for the last six weeks, we've been studying a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And it's a book that is written by King David's son, King Solomon. And he gives us so much of what's going on in his heart and his mind. And he writes so much of this down on paper, and we're studying it together as a church. We're, we're six weeks into this book, and truly it's been a, a, a blessing for me to study it and to even teach it because it's really uh, poked at some areas in my own life. I hope that today blesses you because we're going to look at some things that Solomon writes. Um, I say this every week. Forgive me for repeating myself, but it's so important that even if today blesses you a little bit, that you'd go back and that you would read uh, all the other, uh, mes- uh, that you would listen and read the notes or listen to the message of all the other sermons of chapters 1 through 5. What is a good life? I just told you that today's title is called The Good Life. But what is a good life? TikTok's pretty f- popular now, I hear. Got these kids watching TikTok and these kids on the gram, and they got all these celebrities, and they're showing my children what the good life is. I don't know. Is that the good life? Uh, A couple weeks ago, I talked about Instagram, and I said Instagram's really good at posting our good moments. Look at my food that I'm eating. Look at the coffee that I'm drinking. Look at the party that I'm at. Look at my kids succeeding. Look at my Husband, he's so hot cooking his meal. Look at my wife, she's so sexy. Like weird stuff, man, that we post. Like first off, don't tell me on Instagram that your wife is sexy or that your husband's hot on Instagram. That's between you and him, him and you and her, okay? How many of you agree with me? Keep your marriage sacred for goodness sakes. I'm not saying that's you guys. I'm just talking to anyone that will hear this on YouTube one day. Like, I'm looking at his wife, and he's telling me she's sexy. Like, come on, man. I want my wife to be my sexy thing, not yours. And all the men that have wives in here say, That's right, amen. (laughs) Preach that. What is a good life, man? What is it? So Instagram does a good job in posting all the good. And I, I think it was Chan, Francis Chan said, We should create a... A new, uh, <laughs> a new platform called Instagram, and put all our sin and all our bad on there and say, hey, here I am, vomiting on the toilet because um, I had a great night last night, and they're just, you know, or, I mean, you fill in the blanks, Instagram, okay? All the things that it could be. If we could just be a little bit more honest, I think the world would be a better place. What do you guys think? What's a good life to you? Seriously, I want you to ask yourself that question because that's all I'm going to ask you today. Today's message is actually very short. It's straight to the point. 
And the question is, how do you define a good life? Answer that. Maybe you could write that in your notes, see how it, how it looks at the end of today's message, see if it matches. Ask, ask yourself that question, what is a good life? How does one achieve a good life? So I'm going to ask you some questions here for a moment. Is it gaining knowledge? Is that a good life? Is it gaining knowledge? For some people it is. It's gaining knowledge. It's to study. It's in the education. Education and and growing in education. That's the good life. It is to study. It's to make one's aim to enter into one of our prestigious schools of academia and, and to accomplish graduating with our intended career's highest degree. That's a good life. No doubt about it. That's a good life. And people live Chasing that, saying that's a good life. I don't know. Is that, is that a good life? Is that the good life for you? Another one is, is it money? Is money a good life? Is it to work, 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 work at whatever the cost? Filling up your bank accounts, buying property, selling, trading, buying stocks, lifelong financial security. Is that the good life? I don't know. You have to answer that. For some people, it could be relationships. Is relationships the good life? Is it to find your soulmate, the one that you'll love forever, possibly have children with? Or is it the children, even in relationships? Is it family? If one just builds up his family or if one just finds another to love for the rest of their lives, yes, that's the good life? I don't know. You have to ask yourself, is that the good life? What else can we say? Traveling is traveling the good life to see the world, to witness all the mysteries, all the wonders of the world, all the famous structures, eating all the food. I would love this from all the different cultures. We got some foodies in here today. It's good. You're in the right church. Does this achieve it? Is this the good life? Come on, seriously, what is a good life? Do you know how many people are chasing a good life? Chasing it. And they go running and running, and they, it's a circle, and they still haven't found it. They come to the end of themselves, and they come to maybe a part where their mind's not healthy, or, or their heart's not right, or who knows. I got the opportunity since... Oh, my goodness, I forgot to mention this. Our, some of our ladies are at the women's retreat. They're coming back down today, so we're just grateful for what God's doing with them. My wife's over there, and she'll be getting back this afternoon. So I was able to hang out with the kids. So I took them to what they like best, especially my daughter, where they cook in front of you and stuff like that, you know? The, you know, the samurai kind of stuff. And it was just us. And these two young guys right across from us on this table, and I'm looking at them like I do, and I'm eating, and I'm looking at them, and I'm eating, and I'm listening to them. And they're right in front of me. I mean, they didn't have to sit there. And I'm listening to them speak, and I could tell they're a little disoriented. Young guys have the rest of the world, and I could tell they weren't all there. And the cook comes, and we become good friends with our cook. We always ask for him if we go over there. And the cook asks him, so what's your plans for today? He asks us, I said, well, I got father duty, just kicking it with the kids. My wife's in a women's retreat. I don't know, maybe go home after this and watch a movie together with the kids and, you know, whatever. And then he looks at the two young guys and well, what are you guys going to do today? And, and one of them that was really disoriented, eyes were glossy, his speech was a little slur. He said, well, uh, today we're going to go to 11. 
And uh, my, the cook didn't know what 11 was. And I wanted to say, it's like the famous club in Miami. You know, he didn't know what it was. And, they, and then they're like, oh, really? Like, what is that? What's 11? And then they told him, oh, we got a table. And, and they started talking. And I just looked at them, and I thought about today's message. And I said, is that the good life? Is that the good life? They got some bottles. They got some tables. I saw some girls were calling them, FaceTiming them. They were a little disoriented. They would speak funny over the phone. I wonder if that's the good life. Have you answered the question yet? What is a good life for you? Ecclesiastes chapter 6, Solomon says this thing. Look at verse 1. Follow with me. He says there's another serious tragedy that I've seen under the sun. Our series is called Under the Sun. You know why? Because everyone in here is living under the sun. But not only the S-U-N, every single one of us, we believe that God is our creator. In John chapter 1, it says in Jesus Christ that everything was made by him, for him, and through him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we're not just under the sun, S-U-N, but I want every single one of you to know you're also under the sun, S-O-N, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Solomon says there's another serious tragedy. The English Standard Version says it this way. There is an evil tragedy, evil, two different ways to explain it, describe it, that I've seen under the sun. Look what he says. And it weighs heavily on all humanity. Verse 2, he says, God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything that they could ever want. But then, he doesn't give them the chance to enjoy those things. Saw that? God gives them honor and great wealth, but then they can't enjoy it. They die, and someone else, even at times a stranger, ends up enjoying their wealth. This is meaningless, or this is vanity. It's a sickening tragedy, or it's a grievous evil. That's what it says. So I get on YouTube because, again, I'm not normal. And I like to search for things. So the other day, I decided to do this. I visited different drug lords' homes. Anyone else weird like that? I just wanted to see different drug lords. You know, Pablo Escobar, I hope you know, and all those guys. And Griselda and all those people. So I went online. I said, I just want to see their homes. I want to see how they lived. And it took me to, ab- listen to this. This is a real thing. Abandoned drug lord mansions. Can you imagine that? And they take you in. And I'm looking at these mansions. I'm looking at these entrances, these, these backyards. I mean, it's, it's, it's destroyed. They, some of them had, um, what are those people called that live inside your house? Uh, squatters. They had squatters in it and stuff. And graffiti and chandeliers broken and the tiles messed up and the pool. But still, I'm like, whoa, this was a beautiful house. But it was destroyed. And I said, all this wealth, all this beauty, all these riches. And there they are to waste. Just there for the world to see. It went bad for them. Everything that they gained. Meaningless, vanity, a sickening tragedy, a grievous evil. Verse 3, he says, a man, he goes on with his thought, Solomon, we're just reading through the scriptures and I'll make some points and we're out of our way today. He says, a man may have a hundred children 
Annabelle, Robert, what do you think? No, just playing, just playing, just playing. <laughs> the, the, the grandparents are like, yeah. Tell them to have more. All right. A man may have a hundred children and live to be very old. But if he finds no satisfaction in life and doesn't even get a decent burial, it would have been better for him to be born dead. Guys, seriously, just stop and listen to those words. A hundred children. And yet when you come to the point of death, there is no satisfaction. Your own children are not even there to bury you. What sadness. Verse 4 says his birth would have been meaningless and he would have ended in darkness. He wouldn't even have had a name and he would never have seen the sun or known of his existence. Yet he would have had more peace than in growing up to be an unhappy man. It's better to be a stillborn. To not even be born to be born dead than to live a life to die an unhappy person. Isn't this a beautiful message? <laughs> Can you imagine living your life with all of your children, with all of your money, or with, what I don't know, with all of your goals being met, but you come to the end of your life and you say, when they bury me, I'm an unhappy Happy man. I asked you this question earlier. What is a good life? Because that's not a good life. When I read those words from Solomon, nothing in me says, I want that. I want that. It's meaningless, he says. It's, it's but a vapor. It's void. It's... Verse 6 says, he might live a thousand years twice over, but still not find contentment. And since he must die like everyone else, well, here's the <laughs> Solomon in the way that he does it. What's the use? It's kind of depressing, huh? These words that Solomon would write for us to read today here at Nest. But in week one, I shared something to you, and I want to repeat it. How about if it's not depressing at all? How about if I say that nothing of this is to be depressing, but everything about this is to serve us as a reminder to be cautious, a reminder for us to take warning. Don't do this kind of stuff. Don't live this kind of way. So what is Solomon, what is he really saying to us today? Let's be honest. Because sometimes us, me, you, us together, mankind, humanity, every single one of us, we can, we can have all we desire. We can have all that we need, all the outward enjoyment, but we still long, or let's use the right word, we still covet in our hearts and, and we still complain all the time with all that we have and yet we don't do any good with it. We don't put it to any good use. The Lord has blessed you, and then we find ourselves maybe complaining. Ever been there? I mean, I doubt any of you have. And that's what Solomon is saying. There's a people that we, 
that we tend to do this a lot, and it's to covet in our hearts. It's to continue to complain. You have this good, and what are you doing with it? You have this skill, and how are you using it to good use? You know how many times I've wanted to just stop this, drop this, and say, do this no more, and I look at my wife, and she says, and what are you going to tell God when you see him? And I say, oh, gosh, why did I marry you? (laughs) Because you have to grab what you have and use it. Even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if there's moments, man, where it crushes you, it tests you, but you keep going and you use the good that's inside of you. You put it to good use. You grab that stuff and you do well with it. You're satisfied with it. I ask this question, well, what is a good life? Come on, what is a good life in these days? Just like it is in our day, it was an honor. It really was, especially for the Hebrews. It was an honor and it was desired to live a long life. I would say that's still accurate today. To have many children was honored in these days. You, would, you, you build a large family. That's what was longed for. That's what was honored Let's build a large family. Let's have many kids. And especially a king, he wanted many sons to help control his empire. So Solomon knew what he was writing about. But Solomon is showing us that there is a man. Listen to this. Over here. Don't get distracted. Listen to this. Solomon is showing us that there is a man that passes through life not considering to enjoy all that he has. That's my point today, guys. One who is never truly satisfied, and his end is only a suffering end. Solomon goes on to say it this way, it is a sickening tragedy, or the English standard says, it is a grievous evil. It is vanity, it is meaningless, it's a vapor, it is of no true substance. Verse 3, can you imagine verse 3, it says, having a hundred children, living to be very old, and yet finding no satisfaction in life. Solomon uses tragic pictures to make his point. He says, a man who lives his years to old age, and he doesn't have anyone to give him a proper burial, a proper funeral. And then he gives us a second picture. A stillborn child, which is better never to see the light of day than to grow up to be an unhappy man. I look at those two pictures and I'm like, gosh, Solomon, you need therapy, brother. That's tragic. Why these pictures that you're... You're giving to us because I I think I know why. I'm learning Solomon's mind. I'm learning the way he writes. Here's the reason why he gives us these examples. Because the danger, the danger for the man who doesn't know the disappointment and the realization of meaningless under the sun is scary. Michael Eden says it this way. To die unburied was the mark of a despised and unmourned end. Better to miscarry at birth than to miscarry throughout life. 
Sorry if I'm being too repetitive, but I'd like to ask you a question again. Here it is. What is a good life? I guess the best thing I could do now is ask you this. Have you found your good life? Have you truly found a good life? Oh, we're going to get somewhere, and we're almost there. We're almost there. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, let's just keep reading, and let's see what it says. Here it is, verse 7. All people spend their lives scratching for food, but they never seem to have enough. So are wise people really better than, better off than fools? Do poor people gain anything by being wise and knowing how to act in front of others? Verse 9, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. The wise, the fool, the rich, the poor, Solomon goes on to say that we spend our lives to feed ourselves. We feed ourselves our material appetites or materialistic appetites. But what does King Solomon say? You might be saying, well, why are you reading so much from King Solomon? Well, the Bible does say he was one of the wisest men to ever walk on this earth. And he says, here is humanity. And they are trying to feed all their carnal and material appetites. But man never seems to be satisfied at the end. Hey, church, listen to this. Just listen to this for a second. Because we're going to close. Give me, just watch this. I'm asking you, what is a good life? So I guess the next question is, um, are you truly satisfied? Are you truly satisfied? Have you found satisfaction in your life? Solomon is saying this so clearly to every single one of us. He's saying, you search, you go, you even experiment, you even go and do it. You go and reach it, you go and you climb that mountain. But you get to these points and you recognize, holy cow, even this did not satisfy me. How do you go to bed at night when that's you? Not saying it is, but if that is you, how do you go to bed at night? I'm only going to speak for myself. I put my head on the pillow put the covers over me, and guess what I do? I moan and complain and say I'm still not satisfied. That's what Solomon is saying. Man, the come, he says in verse 7, he says all people, they spend their lives scratching for food, but they never seem to have enough. Adam Clark I'm going to quote him. He says, the necessities of life are the same to all or to both of these different groups. It says, and their condition in life is nearly similar, liable to the same diseases, dissolution, and death. It strikes everyone the same. So back to my question, because I'm going to wrap this up. What is a good life? What is the good life? So before we answer that question... I want us to fast forward all the way to verse 12. And let's look at what Solomon writes. He says, in the few days of our meaning, 
meaningless lives. I'm going to pause for a moment. I do not agree with Solomon, by the way. Solomon is not God writing this letter in the sense of that God used this letter to show Solomon's humanity and struggle within as well. And Solomon is writing from a place of his heart, and he says that our lives are meaningless. In the few days of our meaningless lives, who knows our days and what they could be spent on? Our lives are like a shadow, true, I agree. Who can tell what will happen on this earth after we are gone? The message translation says it this way. Who knows what's best for us as we live out our meager, smoke and shadow lives? And who can tell any of us the next chapter of our lives? So Solomon, in this text, he's struggling here in his thoughts. We've learned in past chapters that he's writing from a sensitive place, not one of perfection, but we're seeing him for who he is. We're seeing his humanity. We're seeing his struggle. We know that Solomon had many issues, especially those with women and wives and what he did with that. He was a man in which... In his life, he made many mistakes. I'm not trying to say that Solomon, in all of his wisdom, was perfect. No, his wisdom, yet he made many, many mistakes. But I want us to see how quickly Solomon shows this battle within him, this struggle. In verse 12, he says, who can tell what happens on this earth after we are gone? He calls this life a meaningless life. Well, that's not what he said in chapter 3, verse 11. In chapter 3, verse 11, when he was beginning his thoughts, he says, yet... God, yet God has made everything beautiful of its own time. And he's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God has put eternity in all of us, and God has made everything beautiful. Man, we are under the right sun. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, the Apostle Paul writes this, we don't look at the troubles that we see now. How many of you see troubles in your life right now? Huh, very easy to say this, Paul. Shoot, I'm the first one up here. We got troubles, man. He says we don't look at the troubles that we see now, but look what Paul says. What a reminder. Rather, we fix our gaze. We, we put our eyes on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. And he's talking about our eternity. Solomon knew this. Solomon was just struggling Battling in his mind and in his heart. So we see that life is a vapor. Life is fast. Life, as scripture tells us, is a shadow. Come on. I'm ending now. Here it is. So what's the good life if it's so quick? Bam, 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 bam. I'm sure if I grab someone a little bit older and ask them to come up here, and I ask them this one question, how fast did life go for you? Am I lying, older folks? Am I lying? How fast did life go for you? I'm looking at some of the older folks. I'm trying. I don't want to make sure I look at them too long. I want to stay friends with them and give them a hug at the end. But I'm looking at some of the older folks, and they're all saying, you're right. Life is fast. Time is not a respecter of persons. The sun rises and the sun sets. And we're one day older. So now that we know time is running fast, 
I ask you this. Did you find what life was all about? Because we're coming to the end of it at some point or another. What is the good life? Is it in knowledge? Schooling? Education? Intellect? Is it in money? Lifelong financial security? Work? Careers? Is it in relationships? Family? Kids? Marriage? Friendships? Is it in traveling? To see the world? Eating? Drinking? Be merry? Tomorrow we die? Eat, drink, be merry. For tomorrow we die. Is that the good life? Church, I end with this. What is a good life? Can we all look at verse 9 together? Actually, take it off. Take it off. Because I'm going to end with this, and that's it. If you're here today, whether you're here for the first time, maybe you're here because of the baby dedication, maybe you've come back, maybe you know the story. At some point or another, your heart has chased something. And you want fulfillment ultimately in your life. True satisfaction. And I ask, what is a good life? You're here today. I want you all to know that God has blessed you. How many of you can testify that you have been blessed by God? I can. I can tell you, open up that back door. And I believe that one of my blessings is in that back door. But ask my father, but they're my blessing. Solomon writes in verse 9, watch this. What is a good life, church? Under the sun, what is a good life? He says, enjoy. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. If you're just dreaming about it and dreaming about nice things, that's meaningless. All you're doing is chasing the wind. Solomon says, enjoy what you have. Stop desiring what you don't have. Have you ever considered that Christ is getting your attention? Listen to this. And you are exactly where God needs you to be. Not a step forward, not a step back but you're exactly where God needs you. You're exactly where God wants you for a moment like this to say stop, slow down like we heard last week and have you considered your life and can you enjoy what you have and stop living a life complaining or wanting or desiring the things that you don't. How about it's if you start looking at it differently. Now what you see around you may be better than what you actually desire. So as I end, to answer the question, what is a good life? It's not a good life. Today's message is titled, The Good Life. And the good life, I believe, when Christ comes into your life, when salvation enters, and you begin to walk in the Lord, and you're under the S-O-N, and He's made Himself known to you, you're exactly where you need to be. The good life is enjoy what you have because this is the life that God has called you to 
have. Enjoy it. How many of you want greater things for your life? I'm not saying not to desire it in the sense of like, I want to work hard for some things. But how can you expect to receive anything in the future if you're not presently happy with what you have right now? You're going to cause damage to the blessings that God may want to give you if you can't stop right now to enjoy the blessings that God has for you. You see the, da- you see the danger behind that? So what is the good life? Enjoy the now. And trust me, the Lord has more in the future for you. The people that he's called you to live out with, enjoy it. Don't live dreaming. Do it with all you have. Enjoy what you have rather than living, desiring what you don't have. So maybe when you start enjoying right now, then you could start having other things, just maybe. I'm going to ask you three questions as I've been closing up almost every sermon lately. Here's reflection question number one as we end. Number one. Have you been chasing the wrong things in life? Only you could answer that. We're done. Number two, have you found yourself empty? Meaningless, as Solomon says. Vanity, as Solomon says. With all that you've done, with all that you have, have you used it for good? Or at the end, have you just found yourself empty? Have you been chasing the wrong things? Have you found yourself empty today? Number three, would you finally come to this place? Would you surrender to Christ today? Under the sun. Let him take over your life and allow him to change that in you. So that you will live enjoying what you have, and you could use it for good. Every single one of you has something. Don't go focus on what you don't have, but begin to use what you have for good right now. And those other great things will come to you, but be faithful with what you have now if you're under the sun. And church, all I could tell you from there is welcome to the good life. Find satisfaction in Christ and in what he's giving you now. Amen? It's passing quickly, but do it now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And if you fall under these three questions, I want you to answer it right there in your heart. Just let the quietness of your heart just speak to you as we end. Lord, you know these three questions. You know these three questions. You know whether we're falling empty. You know if we're searching for a good life. You know if there's anyone here that just needs to surrender to you, Lord. And say... Do a miracle and let me enjoy, Lord. Start enjoying what I have right now so I could use it for good. 
I want the good life. I want to start now, Lord. Lord, I pray for every single person that's in this room. You know their struggles. You know their heart. I pray for the one that just came for the first time that may be here. And you're touching them, you're speaking to them, and you're asking them, hey, it's me, God. Are you truly happy when you lie down at night? Are you truly satisfied when you're in traffic and you're in your thoughts? It's me. It's me, Jesus. Are you going to let me come into your mind? Are you going to let me come into your heart so that I could do the miracle that you desire and long for that would cause you to have a good life, enjoying what you have, using it for good, and you know, I'm telling you that your ears and your eyes, you won't, you can't even imagine the things that I have prepared for you. If that's you today, I want you to surrender right there in your heart. Lord, forgive us of our sins, of our thoughts, and do a miracle in every single person. That they would know that the good life is found in you. Satisfaction in you. Right where you have us, enjoying all that we have. Let us not take for granted the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for this room and for what you've spoken today. It's in Jesus' mighty name. And together we say, Amen.